Welcome to Thoughtfully Mindless. My guest in this episode is Sarah Tai. Sarah is a professional intuitive tarot reader who runs the business Journey Through Tarot. Whether you already believe in tarot's merits or you're a skeptic, I encourage you to listen to this episode because Thoughtfully Mindless is all about sharing a wide variety of perspectives and experiences and exposing people to the ideas so they can gain a better understanding of the world around them. I had a lot of fun talking with Sarah, and it was great getting her perspective on what tarot is all about and what got her interested in it. She even gives me a tarot reading toward the end of the episode, which I think you'll enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And with that, let's welcome Sarah. Sarah, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you're a tarot reader. Um, I'm wondering if you can give me some background in, into that. How did you get into that? And what is, first of all, what is tarot for anyone that might not be familiar? Yeah, so I am an intuitive tarot reader. Um, so most people are familiar. They'll see it in Hollywood movies where, you know, you see like a gypsy lady pulling out cards and telling people their future. That's not what I do just to start off with. That's what most people would associate with though tarot cards is a 78 card deck that um has suits in it like playing cards as well as trump cards that are like the moon the sun etc and so through those cards you can find insight guidance clarity and what i do as an intuitive reader is i focus more on the present less on the future i don't do a lot of predictive readings although i can tell you where you're heading as of now I don't believe the future is set in stone. So what I do, I'll tell you where you've been, where you're at, and then I'll give you a roadmap to help you get where you want to be and where you want to go. So that's a little bit about what I do just, you know, from a really basic point of view with tarot. And as far as my backstory, it just, I kind of fell into it. I started reading tarot when I was about 15, 16 years old and read for you know my friends, family, myself for maybe about 16, 17 years. And then in 2020, I think many of us had our own individual experiences because it was such a, a time of you know, just so much going on and the world shutting down. For me, it really prompted me to start looking more into my spirituality and what my beliefs are. And through that, I started asking, well, what's my purpose? And tarot kept coming up and probably because I knew it so well, but I, I didn't want to say yes to it. So I ignored that calling for a pretty long time until I finally just, it, it was, my income got taken away. And it was one of those things where I felt like there was the universe saying, it's time. You're, you're supposed to be doing this. And so I accepted the calling and I've been doing this professionally for two and a half years. So when you say you had a calling for it, um, can you go into that a little bit more? Like, um, what was that calling like? How did you? receive that message? How did you know that's what you were being told to do? Well, for me, it was, I was in order to, well, when I started getting into my spirituality, it all started with podcasting. That's actually the first time I learned about podcasts. And so that was the topic that I was researching and listening to. And I'd hear all these really cool stories about people finding their purpose. And I thought, I want to find my purpose. And every time I'd go into meditation where I'd like really like think on like, what is my purpose? Tarot was like the one thing that was consistent. I looked into Reiki. It didn't quite fit the same way. I looked into a few different modalities, but tarot just was very consistently like, hey, 
This is, this is something that you can do, not only can do, but you're gifted in. And I was not open to it because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, who's going to take me seriously as a tarot reader? First of all, it's not, how am I supposed to make any kind of a living off of tarot reading? How can I let my friends and family, like, I mean, when I say my close friend, like my friends and family that I read for, they were very small. The rest of the world didn't know that I read tarot. And it was one thing to say, hey, I, I read tarot just for fun versus I'm a professional tarot reader. Welcome to the world. And I was really terrified of putting myself out there as that professional reader. And I just was, one day I was finally brave enough. Like I said, my income got taken away unexpectedly. And at the same time, I had been taking a tarot course. So I was dabbling in the idea of starting a business, but I was still not ready to do it. I was still kind of like keeping it in the closet. And when my income source got taken away, I was also learning about one of the tarot cards, which really speaks to learning that everything happens for you, not to you. And it all happens for a reason. And that's really when I realized, okay, so I'm freaking out. My income is gone, but how is this happening for me? And just in that calm, I heard this intuitive message that just said, go work on your business. And so that's really where I finally, that was the turning point where I said, okay, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, I posted on Facebook, I'm thinking about starting a tarot business who wants a free reading for some, so I can get feedback and I was really surprised by the response I got. The people who reached out were not people I knew very well. And not only were their readings really spot on from what they were telling me, but I had two separate people who messaged me and said, hey, this was so profound. Can I send you like a couple dollars on Venmo just as a thank you for this message? I think that was like the first moment that it really, I just felt expanded. Like, wow, okay, there's something really here. Not only am I able to, to really connect on some level with these cards and helping people. But I mean, I'm really making an impact even with these practice readings that I did. And so that was a little bit of my journey. I first just kept saying no to it and then eventually kind of dabbled. And then here I am two and a half years later. So it, was, it wasn't a quick process with you going from doing it for a hobby more and then just doing it professionally. Right. It, it was, I mean, once I decided, then it was like, okay, I'm, I'm all in. But the decision to do it took a good, oh, maybe six months of me saying, no, I can't do that. No. And then I finally said yes. I think that is common for any, I, I would say it's a creative endeavor. Would you? Yeah. Um, with tarot. So like with the podcast, it, it was one of my big concerns too. You're always, it's funny because we always imagine people being more judgmental than they are like there are judgmental people but um i think people are more understanding and accepting than we give them credit for for the most part yes that's actually that was one of my biggest things that held me back was what would people think and i think i was more concerned about people who knew me and you know that rejection but the funny thing is i never ever got negative feedback on it yeah. All the negative backlash I imagined never happened. One of the things that held me back from doing, I do markets now where like farmers markets where I'll set up a booth. And what held me back from that is the same fear of, well, what if I have someone come up and like attack me and yell at me for what I'm doing? But I finally just set up a booth and I've done several now and I've never had anyone come up and say anything negative. They'll just avoid me and that's fine. But yeah, it's it's funny. But whenever, whenever um, people feel like there's that fear of, 
what if I do this and what will people think? Nine times out of 10, it's never what, it's never going to be what they think it is. And um, that was definitely my experience was the fear of starting was more the fear itself. There was no validity to it. Yeah. You said you were more afraid of what people you know would think. Um, I can relate very well to that because I'm, I don't really care what people I don't know think too much. Like if people I don't know or like, whatever, I don't like that podcast. I don't like that person. That person rubs me the wrong way. Doesn't bug me. But if I'm more worried about people I know being like, oh, no, Artie is just a crazy person (laughs) or Artie is just, you know, in his own little world or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm way more worried about people I know judging me, but I've been trying to let that go, obviously, starting this. So um, how did you, how'd you process that? Like that concern about people, you know, did you get positive feedback? Did that help you get over it? Or was it just caring less? It was honestly just going for it. It was just putting myself out there and seeing what would come from it. And the longer I was out there and I wasn't getting, you know, negative feedback from close family and friends, the longer, the easier it was to step out more. So I think for me, it was initially just putting it out there, Yeah, you know, and, and advertising on my own little personal social media space. And when I didn't get backlash, when I wasn't getting, like, I was imagining I'd get secret messages, like, what are you doing? That's the devil's work. Or, you know, all the stigma that's around tarot. And when I didn't get that, I realized like, okay, well, they may be thinking it, but they're not projecting it and I don't have to accept it. And so it was just easier for me to step out more and more and more. But I think initially what helped me was just doing it and putting myself out there and seeing what happened. And when nothing happened, it was easier to step out more and more. Yeah. So I'm, I would call myself pretty skeptical of anything. Um, supernatural like tarot or horoscopes horoscopes i'm extremely skeptical of because like i'll read stuff like that and it's like always seems so generic to me it's like well yeah if if it's generic you're gonna read something and you're gonna you're gonna read into it what you want to um how do you get around that skepticism with tarot like if somebody's like it doesn't really mean anything does or does that even matter to you if people don't accept it to be honest, it's really rare that I come across someone that's really close-minded to watch what comes through. It's usually, and then that's something else that's been very validating for me on this journey, because I, I, when I started this, I didn't trust myself at all. I still struggle with that trusting myself as I give the messages, but I've learned after over and over and over getting these really positive feedbacks of, yes, this definitely resonated and specifically in specific ways for them that it, you know, that was undeniable it just made me go, okay, there's something really here. But um, when it does come to explaining tarot, I think the way that I explain tarot helps make the more skeptical, logical um, standpoint. Um, like, how do I say this? So I, in another podcast, I, I spoke with someone who else called themselves a skeptic. And when I explained it, he said, you helped me wrap my mind around the idea in a logical sense. So I think that that helps too. So for me, I don't believe that the tarot itself is like magical. I don't think 
the cards themselves carry any kind of energy. I think that the energy that's being carried is the person that's reading for it. You're the one showing up and, and you're the one that's basically the conduit. Um, the cards themselves are just a tool that can be used, you know, in that way. So the way that I see tarot, I think, and this is my own personal spiritual belief, but I feel like we're all interconnected. We all are sources connecting and running through all of us. And so when I do a reading for someone, I'm connecting with their higher self and their higher self is showing up for the person. The messages aren't coming from me. And I, I will always say that I'm not going to take credit for what comes through because it's not, it's not me. I'm just the person relaying the message. And I fully believe, and I, and that may help too, whenever I sit down for a reading, I fully believe that whenever I do a reading, spirit is showing up for the person that I'm sitting with. And again, I'm just the interpreter. I always trust that whatever is meant to come through will come through. And I just, that's what I lean into. So it's not me. It's not the cards. It's a higher power. And it's, and again, I like to say it's like whoever you believe in, because I think that all religions are ultimately right. Um, my beliefs just kind of encompass everything. So you know, if you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus, if whatever it is, it's your higher power that's showing up for you the way that you need it to. And I'm just the middleman interpreter. That's kind of how I, I view it. Interesting. Yeah, when I was doing some research for our interview, people will, in psychology will use tarot for just getting another perspective, I suppose. Do you, do you know much about that? Could you elaborate on its use in psychology at all? Not personally, because I'm, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't, yeah. I can't speak to that specifically, but kind of like what I was just saying, and I don't think I, I mentioned this when, as the, we're all interconnected, we're all connected to source. Um, I, I feel like it's all intention. So if you come to the cards or any, whether it's Oracle cards, um, tarot cards, you can even do tarot readings with playing cards. That's a, a fun fact. A lot of people don't know. So any kind of cards that has, that you can attach meaning to it. If you come with mindfulness and the intention of, I want to get guidance, and it's you're at that point surrendering to a higher power at, of some degree, um, you're connecting with that intention of, of receiving the message that you're intending to receive, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it, with psychology, I mean, you're not, it's not necessarily a spiritual experience, but I feel like there's still that element of surrender, which kind of brings that spirituality into the room. Yeah, I can see that, especially if someone's going to therapy, they've already surrendered to a certain degree, typically, right? Like if someone's going to therapy, they've decided that there's something that they need help with that they're not quite figuring out on their own and they're needing some kind of guidance. So I can understand that connection there, definitely. Um, yeah. Do you feel like the atmosphere for this has become more open over the years it's hard for me to judge because i feel like 10 years ago 15 years ago i would have been more closed off to anything more spiritual um i i was more like objective truth kind of uh minded but over the years i've become more open to different things like that but do you feel like the world in general has over the last decade or two Yes, I have definitely seen and felt the shift. And I think that it's because in the last few years, and you'll hear this in a lot of different spiritual podcasts, the consciousness is raising. More people are waking up to newer ideas, newer paradigms. Um, 
but from my own personal experience, there is still a lot of stigma. So that necessarily hasn't changed. I have to, you know, if I tell people, hey, I'm a professional tarot reader, it's still very much 50-50 how they're going to react. Either they're going to say, wow, that's really cool. Or they're going to say, oh, okay. (laughs) And kind of like wander away like crazy lady. So it's not like, it is definitely more accepted, but it's still kind of taboo. And a good example of this is so when I do markets, and so this is like a farmer's market where people go to, to look at crafts and buy fruit or whatever else. And then if they find me, they can get a tarot reading. Most people still avoid my booth very openly and obviously. They'll see what I do and they'll do a beeline around me or they'll make eye contact and quickly look away. And that's just something I've learned to accept that those are meant to meet with me and get a reading from me. They're going to be called to me. Otherwise, the others are going to avoid me and that's totally fine. But when I do parties, so I also do um, events and entertainment. So like people will hire me for birthday parties, graduation parties, um, bachelorette parties. I'm trying to get into weddings. Um, So I've done a couple wedding venue setups. And um, when I do those kind of events where, you know, I'm paid to be there so the guests can come to me for free. I get, I get very popular. And I think people are curious. People are more openly curious than they were before, but they're not so open that at a, at a public market, they're going to be like, Oh, let me try this. But yeah. at a party where they feel safe, they're more inclined to come over and sit with me. And, and that's when I, and I, most of the people that sit with me have never had a reading before. So it's like my way of kind of showing them like, Hey, it's not scary. It's actually really insightful. But I, I have definitely like when I started reading tarot, when I was in high school, it was definitely, you had to find the right people to be cool with it. You know what I mean? Usually it was like the pagan Wiccan group or, you know, I, I don't even know if I understood that there's like a spirituality group back then. Cause I'm sure there was, but I, I only knew like the, you know, the new age type um, people, I guess that were like open to it. But beyond that, it was very like, you didn't talk about it. And now it's more, it's definitely more open, I feel. I wonder if, so you said you get a lot of people avoid you at like a farmer's market, but they go to you at a party or something. I wonder if it's kind of like a farmer's market. Anyone can go, anyone can get a booth. They just have to pay the fee to go to the farmer's market. And there's no overarching, like people that are there to buy food and sometimes buy art and different things like that. But it's a very mixed group. I wonder if it's partially because like when you go to a party or if you were to do a wedding or, or any other event like that, you being there is kind of perceived as, you know, condoned by that person who's throwing the party or, or something like right. that. Cause you're it's endorsed. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like if people are at a party, they were invited or, or they were allowed to go by the host. And if you're there, the host is at least saying it's okay for you to be there, even if they're not necessarily too into it. I'd imagine. Do you think that might have something to do with that? Yeah. I think coming back to that, what I was saying about people feel more safe to be curious because they, you know, it's not public. So they, they can kind of test the waters without having to openly be like, Oh, I want to learn about this. So while I do, I do feel like there's still, like I said, there's still a stigma. It's still closed off. I think more people are at least 
getting curious about it and maybe not openly, maybe not like putting it out there, but at least like asking questions more. And I think that that's, that's really the, the starting point for any big change is to get curious. And I feel like there definitely the curiosity around it has grown versus how it was several years ago. In your own life, how often do you do tarot readings for yourself? Um, or do you have somebody else do it in that situation? And what are some questions that you might ask the cards? Or is that how you would say it? Ask the cards? Um, mm-hmm. What are some questions that you would ask, if any that you feel like sharing? So um, it's funny. It's 50-50. I'll read for myself. But whenever... As a reader, sometimes we can get biased <laughs> on what comes through. And so if there's something I'm really like wanting some outside input on, either to validate what I've already kind of picked up or because maybe I can't pick up anything on my own, so I need a little help. I will I have some friends that that also read that will trade and and I'll go to them. But um as far as like reading for myself, I do it if not daily maybe four or five times a week. And it's never like, because it's just me. And, and I mean, I probably should go more in depth because I can. And I know when I read and I go more in depth with other people, it's so much more profound. For me, it's more of a quick thing. It's like, what do I need to know today? It's really, that's probably the biggest question I'll ask. What do I need to know today? What do I need to know about talking on this podcast? What do I need to know about um, what's holding me back in my business? Um things like that. It's usually, what do I need to know about whatever it is? And that's, that's usually how I'll start my questions. It just depends on what I'm asking about, but I usually don't try to be like, should I do this or this? Or I don't like yes or no questions either. So I usually try to more be like, what do I need to know about such and such? Are there ever times where you, you do a reading and you're not clear what the reading is saying? Yes. And that's when I go to a friend (laughs) who reads as well. That's usually when um, I feel like when that happens, it's spirit saying you're too close to this. You're not going it, to it's you're too close and you're going to you're going to read what you want to read into this instead of actually read what you need to hear. And that's what I mean by as a reader, it's easy to get biased, especially when you kind of have like an idea of what you want to see. And then when the cards aren't really showing up that way and, and, and then it can be like, well, wait a second, you know, that's like this weird preconceived thing. And that's so when I read for other people. I remove my ego. I don't try to explain or understand it because it's not my message. And so I I literally will just share what comes through and take judgment and ego out of it as best as I can. But when I read for myself, that's kind of hard because it's for myself and that's where the ego lives. Right. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't resonate with me, that's when I know that I'm too close to whatever I'm asking for. I care too much about what I'm trying to find out. And that's when I'll go to someone else who can, do what I do with someone else and remove their own ego and be like, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> so when you're doing a reading for other people, you don't have that issue of not being sure what their cards are actually saying? No. I mean, well, yes and no. Um, nine times out of 10, I'll glance at a reading and I'll be like, oh, this is, I wonder how this is going to play out. But I, it's, I, I do it, I do it card by card. And as I go, it's just, I can't explain it because again, I, I feel like I just remove my judgment out of it and I just take it where it takes me. And so n- nine times out of 10, I don't know exactly where it's going to end up or where, where it's going. I just go with it. 
and yeah. trust that what comes through came through the way it's supposed to. So there's been times where I've gotten readings where I'm like, my initial first glance is, I don't get that at all. But by the end of the reading, the person I'm speaking to, it makes perfect sense to them. And that's how I've learned to remove my ego because it's not, it doesn't belong there. It's not my reading. It's not meant to make sense to me because it's not for me. Um, and then I've had readings where I was, I didn't want to share what I saw, but again, I'm trusting that there's a reason it's here. And so I'm going to share it because the person needs to hear it, regardless of whether or not I want to be the one to share it. So there's also been that too. Okay. Are you, before you started tarot, have you always been an empathetic person? Yeah, I, I definitely am a natural empath. I don't think I understood what that was probably until maybe four or five years ago. I didn't even really understand what that was. Um, but I will say I always had trouble connecting with people on an empath. Like I, I cared and I was very empathetic, but I've always been more introverted and I guess awkward in social settings. I'm, I'm getting better the more I connect with my authentic self and learn more about myself and all that. But my younger version of me didn't know how to connect with people in that way. And so it was so interesting to me when I started reading tarot professionally uh, two and a half years ago, it was like someone turned the light on. And when I, when I'm sitting with that person, it's just like the empathy, everything just flows naturally. And that was kind of also my cue of like, wow, okay, so this is, this, this is my natural gift. I don't necessarily need tarot to do this, but tarot is kind of like the, the doorway to help me get there to be that way without it, if that makes sense. So yeah. I do feel like it's always been there. I just didn't know how to tap into it. Interesting. I, I wonder if that, are you, you said you're more introverted. Yes. So I wonder. And shy. If, so does that have something to do with like maybe you don't connect with people in large groups as well as you do on the one-on-one -on -one that you often see with tarot? I do connect better with people in one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that's always, and even with my friend groups, I always did better when it was just me and maybe one or two friends or me and one friend. Um, so that definitely, I think, plays a role. Um, but even like when they would be going through hard, difficult times, like I never knew what to say, how to act, how to comfort them, even though I wanted to, it was just kind of that, that social awkwardness that I had. And with tarot, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's like, I can speak way more fluently when I'm, when I'm in a reading and it just, the things that, that I wish I could have said back then just come out now easier. So yeah. it's helping me learn to do that in my personal life as well. Interesting. Um, what do you know about the history of tarot? Um, I did a, I did a question for ChatGPT, and what I got from that was it started in the, they believe in the 15th century, likely in Italy, mm -hmm. and it was a card game at first. Um, the divination aspect of it came later. Um, is there anything I'm missing there? No, that's pretty much what I know as well. I know that it was. It was made around the 1500s. It started off as a card game and started being used as divination. Um, I think what was interesting is around the time frame that it was created, it was kind of right around the Renaissance time, right? Which was like the Age of Enlightenment. And that could have had something to do with people realizing like, oh, maybe there's something more to these cards. Because I kind of feel like in the last 50 years in our time, there's definitely been 
a period of enlightenment that's just slowly gotten bigger. And like, like you were saying, people are more open to it now than they were. Like a psychologist using tarot back in like the eighties or nineties would have been crazy. And and now it's like some therapists are using that as part of their, their therapy. Um, so I think that we're kind of in, in a Renaissance time too. So we're, we're able to see that there's, I think it's also believing in, in that higher power and knowing that there's, there's something more here. So I don't exactly know for sure how it got into divination and the full, um, the full history on that. But I do think that it has something to do with people realizing that we are all more than just human beings on a, on a certain point. And those that were more sensitive, I think, realized that and were able to, to do something with it. And now in, in our day and age, I think people are realizing, hey, there's something more to me. I'm not just, I mean, there are people who are more atheists and just believe we're just human beings living on a planet and we only live once. But I think a lot more people are opening up to this idea that there is something that's else that's out there and that we are, I like to say, and I've heard this from, this is where I learned, I learned this from other podcasts, um, where spiritual beings having a human experience and i'm like i'm all about that that makes perfect sense to me um but yeah i think it's that same idea that we're realizing that there's more and tools like tarot tools like reiki tools like um pendulums i mean whatever it is that that resonates with whoever you are there are different tools that can communicate with us and our guides and our higher self we we definitely live in a an interesting age when it comes to religion and spirituality in general. Because if you go back a few hundred years, like you had to be certain religions to be accepted. Um, we're definitely in an age where you can be more—I don't know what the word is—open. I guess open with your spirituality and explore more. And uh, we definitely have a lot of atheists. I actually used to be very atheist um in my 20s i called myself an atheist and then i eventually over the last 10 years or so i i kind of came to the realization that it's kind of an arrogant position to hold that you just know that there's no god or there's no you know spirituality in the world or i don't know if that's the right way to say that it just seems like an arrogant position um to say something like there is no god or there is nothing after this life or there is nothing beyond the the human experience really it just seems like an arrogant position to me at this point in my life so and i would even argue less arrogant and more ignorant more like because there's there's the closed-minded and a lot of closed-minded people tend to be ignorant because they don't want to get curious they just want to be right and and they stay in that. This is it. This is what I believe. And it's kind of a choice of ignorance versus getting curious. Like, I don't really know, but I'm open to whatever experience is supposed to come in. And I think that for those that might be more on the atheist path, I would just recommend being more open and curious and seeing, you know, there's so many people in the spirituality world who were very like cut and dry and atheists who are now full blown, like, you know, doing different spiritual things, like whether it's tarot or Reiki or spirit or, or energy work. I mean, I have heard so many stories of people who were lawyers and doctors and neurosurgeons and people who would have been coming from that place of, oh, there's nothing else who had these experiences that made them go, wait a second, you yeah. know? So I think that 
just being open and curious it doesn't mean you have to believe in everything. It just means that you're open to seeing what's out there. And if, if you never experience anything spiritual, then you never experience anything spiritual, but at least you're not closed off to experiencing that if it were to come up for you, you know? Yeah. I think we have a, so like science has given us a lot of amazing things in the world and it's answered a lot of uh, questions that humans have not known. Um, throughout the course of human history, but I I feel like we we've seen kind of a religious aspect around science to a certain degree, where some people believe that science can just tell you everything, and that's not what science is all about. Just having all of these questions and 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 being open to different possibilities. So it's kind of an interesting take on science to believe that if science isn't telling you that this is true, it's not true. Because there's, if you look throughout the history of science, it's been the outliers, the people questioning um, the accepted truth that have really pushed the bounds of science and progressed it. And there's a quote from uh, Heisenberg, I believe, and I'm probably going to mess up the quote, but it's the first, and I, I'm not particularly religious or anything, um, but it, it's an interesting quote. Heisenberg was obviously a very intelligent person, and there's a lot of intelligent scientists who were spiritual um, as well as scientific. But Heisenberg's quote is something like, the first gulp of the natural sciences will turn you into an atheist, but at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. And when oh, I wrote I that, I, that. I, I really liked it too. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, and I've heard this several different times, and it's the more I hear it, it just makes so much sense. Science and spirituality are the are two different sides of the same coin. Yeah, and I'm, I that just makes so much sense to me, especially because there are a lot of people like look, who look at people who are doing um, um, like experiments on quantum physics. That's a whole. That's still science, you know, and and that's a lot of them are very spiritual, and they're they're using spirituality is a big part of their, you know um their explanations of things so yeah it's definitely it's interesting because i think me like five ten years ago would have definitely felt at war with science that science atheist mentality and now i'm like oh no i'm all for it and i love hearing podcasts that combine you know stories that combine both science and spirituality because it kind of it's a nice grounded logical aspect that you almost can't like argue with that also has that spiritual element to it. Yeah, there are. When you look at certain things in science, you start to realize that there's a little bit of spirituality in it that um, if you look at it in like a cold, objective way, you might miss. But like there are, like one of the laws of thermodynamics is energy cannot be created or destroyed. And Mm -hmm. when you think about that, it's like, well, we're all made of energy and what happens to our energy like after we die and and stuff like that like you can get very objective with that and say well the energy is just the the cells and the nutrients and and that gets passed down into the earth and you're decomposed by um, microorganisms and stuff like that so the energy just stays around in that sense but i don't know there there seems to be a certain potential spiritual aspect to things like that 
I've I've heard different stories, and I, I can't think of anyone's name because I listen to the stories and I soak it in, and then I move on. But there was a um, a famous neurosurgeon, brain surgeon, who was also atheist, all of that, who um, had a oh, I forget what it's called, but you know, like the um, the bacteria that that like it's like flesh eating it's it, it, they have a different like lakes you could pick it up at. i can't think of the name but it um basically causes severe meningitis and most people don't survive it mm. um he which is really ironic because he worked on brains and he ended up getting this really bad infection from whatever that bacteria is are you talking about and, like there's a nigleria fowleri is one that's the one where it, it's like eats your brain basically yeah is that kind of what i, I don't about? know the name of it that's probably it. But yeah, so he, he was on life support and basically brain dead for, um, I don't know how long it was. Um, and he had the best neurosurgeons working on him because they were his friends. So, you know, you have friends in high places, but, um, his, there was no brain activity. And yet he was having, when he, when he woke up, he, I mean, he had like this amazing experience that just changed his life and, and shifted his work and all of that. But if you were to look at it on like the, you know, the equipment, it looked like there was nothing going on. Nothing was lighting up in his brain. None of it. So it makes you also question like, well, how did he have this experience if nothing was happening in his brain that they were monitoring? And not only that, but when he came back, not only did he make a full recovery, but like they, I mean, they were expecting him not to basically be a vegetable or not much more than a vegetable because of how much, how badly it impacted him. And he had a full recovery. So it was almost like, and then when you think about the irony of him being a brain surgeon who contacted this thing that only affects brains and all that, like, and then it, it just totally shifted his life. It was almost like it was supposed to happen, <laughs> you know, if you were to almost look at it from that point of view, because now yeah. he can come back and share this and have all this scientific evidence of his experience that should not make sense, but it, it happened. Yeah. I think w- when we look at science, we, we have learned so much about the natural world and in humans that we we assume if we can't see it, if we can't measure it, it doesn't exist. But something like that shows you that, hey, we're not measuring the brain activity, but something's going on. Like he experienced something. And I mean, who are we to tell somebody that, no, you didn't actually experience something that's, you know, we can't explain it from our perspective. So we're just going to say that that isn't didn't actually happen you know it, it's kind of right. goes back to the ignorance like we're, it's kind of an ignorant position yeah absolutely so are you into other modalities i know you said you looked at reiki and it wasn't for you um have are there other ones that you've tried in the past um so i've tried oracle cards which are similar to tarot and for me, I like tarot because it's just more, it's, it gets more nitty gritty in the detail and, um, Oracle cards are more, I think Oracle cards are amazing, but they don't speak to me the same way. I'm not able to pick up the same energy or the same, um, details, if that makes sense. Okay. So for me, um, so I've looked at Oracle cards. I've done, I've tried pendulums, but even that it's just, it just didn't, again, I didn't really get much from it. Um, I really enjoy Reiki. Like I, I get Reiki sessions, you know, I, I pay to have Reiki done to me and, and, and healing all that. And I, I have taken a Reiki one course and I haven't officially shut that off. Like I'm not, I'm still curious about it, but it's not, it hasn't been like that pull for me yet. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I think those are the, really the only three I've, I've tried. Um, those are the only three that I've, I've really tried. So tarot, it's just, it, it's hard to explain, but it just, it speaks to me in a way that the other, other modalities haven't. And I think that that's how most people find what their modality is to work with is it's going to connect with them on a way that others don't. Okay. What are your favorite cards? Or do you have favorite cards? I do. That's a great question. My favorite cards are the scary cards. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Why is that? Um, so, I mean, they're not really scary. And, and I will, I will also add that all cards are medicine. I don't think that there is a scary card in the deck. I, I think that, um, and I heard, Another reader, um, very well-known reader, used this quote, and I just love it. Um, Lindsay Mack said, had said, um, all cards are medicine. Some um, cards are just more bittersweet than others. You know, some medicine is bittersweet, and some of it, you know, is, is not so bad. Um, so there are no scary cards, but the cards I like are the ones most people would be afraid of. Um, so, for instance, the death card is one of my favorite um, cards. Okay. and. It's because it's it's not about death. People think it's about physical much mortality. It's not. It's all about transformation and change and um, one chapter ending so another one can open and begin. Um, composting what doesn't serve you so you can lean into what's new and what's coming. Um, the devil card is another one that's scary for a lot of people. But I like it because that one really just... It really puts it front and center, like, hey, you have a toxic thing going on in your life that you need to let go of. And that's usually like addiction, abuse, um, bad habits, playing small. But it's it's really all about um, you're at a crossroads when you have the devil card come up where you have the choice of playing small and staying comfortable and familiar, even if it's a really toxic environment or growth and evolution. and taking the growing pains with it um, and getting outside of your comfort zone. And so the devil's like, Hey, you can keep doing the same thing over and over, but it's, it's not going to do you any good. Mm. Or you can choose to push yourself and do the thing that is the scariest, but the best for you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those are, those are, I really like those cards because whenever they show up, I know the person I'm speaking with is, really on the brink of a huge evolution it's up to them whether or not they accept it but that's what i love about this work is i like helping people evolve into the next best version of themselves can you elaborate on that do you have any examples of somebody you've helped without you know giving personal details about the person or anything that they wouldn't want you to share could you share any stories of changes that you've helped somebody make through tarot? So ultimately it's the person who I'm reading for that's going to make the change. I'm, I'm just, like I said, the, the messenger. So there's not really any personal stories exactly that I can share because, um, while I do have some, some regulars that do come and, you know, I've seen the progression. It's more like, um, what I do is I shine a light on what needs to be worked on. And that's where they have that. That's what I get excited about is they have the, they now have the empowerment of, oh, that's the catalyst. That's where I need to focus my energy so I can change. So it's more like I get excited at the fact that they're being shown this so that way they can choose the change. Um, but it's not, you know, I still, I don't like to take responsibility or, or accountability or own someone else's change. It's more like I'm the person. And and so for me, it's many times in many different readings, I'll get those that come up and I'll, I can 
the feedback I get from the person, like it's, it resonates. It's right. It's what they needed to hear in order to help them continue on and, and realize that they're right where they're supposed to be. And I will say when it comes to evolution and change, it is not as pretty as it looks like it is in the movies, yeah. the movies, they make it look like it happens overnight and you're a changed person. And no, it's, it's, I like to say, um, like an example of evolution is the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, but no one talks about how messy the process is on the inside of the cocoon. It's literally a gooey mess changing from one creature to another. It's not pretty and neither is our own human evolution. So I think a lot of the times for people knowing that they have the choice of change and it's um, when they, when they hear it, it's that validation of, okay, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. It's messy. It's not easy, but if I keep pushing, I'll be okay. And so it's those, those kind of messages that I'll do in readings that I can tell really make an impact. And I get excited for them because I know that change is coming for them, but it's not, um, it's not like one person's evolution. It's like several, if that makes sense. Yeah. When, uh, we were talking before this, you said if somebody doesn't have a question, you usually have them ask what their higher self wants them to know am i saying that mm -hmm. right yes how do you help people figure out the questions that they should ask like i told you when i i've gotten a couple tarot readings but i always look at it like i don't know what to ask um and i'd imagine sometimes people who don't know what to ask should ask a particular question so how how can people figure out what question they need to ask or is there a certain format or, or certain parameters that the question should be in? So when it comes to questions, I always recommend starting with what do I need to know about? So if people want to know about their finances, okay, what do I need to know about my finances? What do I need to know about changing jobs? Um, but there could be, if it's a, if it's an either, or I have done, you know, if someone's really like, not sure if they should stay in a certain situation or move to a different situation, like let's say someone is, has like, likes their job, but they're being offered a new position in a new company. And that sounds really interesting and they're curious, but they're not sure what to do. And that one we, we would ask, okay, what do you need to know about each option? So then you can enter, then at that point they can make the discernment of, okay, which one feels better based off, off of each energy, you know, each, um, what you need to know about each one. So I think ultimately I like to come back to the, what do you need to know about fill in the blank? Um, and you can get specific, you know, what do I need to know about my relationship? What do I need to know about this fight that I had with my partner? You know, you can get really specific, even though you're still prefacing it with that. What do I need to know about? Okay. Um, so part of it was we were going to do a reading for me mm -hmm. um, and record that. And I think it'd be a good time to try that. I was thinking yeah. about asking, uh, what do I need to know about this podcast? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be an interesting question to ask. So be before we uh, go forward with it, I was wondering how, how did you choose your deck? Oh, that's kind of a fun story. Um, so I know there are many tarot readers who have like a plethora of decks. I'm not one of those. Um, the one that I had for many years um, was the, I don't remember the name of it. Shadow, shadow work? No, shadow, shadowscape. 
Shadowscape deck, and it was very whimsical. And that was kind of how I felt about Tarot at the time. It was very whimsical and mysterious. And so that that, that deck worked for me for a very, very long time. And then in 2020, um, in 2021, when I was kind of thinking about maybe doing this as a profession, um, I was reading this this suggestion from other readers like, oh, well, you should have a deck that you use for yourself and then get one for when you read for other people. So I was like, all right, I guess that makes sense. So I went and I bought this one called the Light Sears deck. Um, and it just, the images really, really spoke to me. So I, I went with that one. And then it was so funny because once I started using that one, I realized I outgrew my shadowscape. Mm. It just didn't speak to me the same way. And, but the only way I was going to ever upgrade was because, you know, it made sense to upgrade. So I went with that one. And then when I was, um, I had someone that, that started suggesting to me like, Hey, you should start doing parties and events. And then she hired me to do her daughter's birthday party. And that was kind of like my, okay, maybe I'll do some events. Um, so again, I kind of had this thought of like the, sh- the light Sears deck is beautiful, but it's kind of on the darker side, just the colors and everything. It's just, it's not scary, but it's just still a little bit darker. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get a new deck that's vibrant and bright and colorful. So that way it's not so scary for those that don't understand it or know it. And so I found this deck called the Muse deck and I just fell in love with it, ordered it. And a couple of things happened. One, I basically outgrew my, my light seers. I still use that one. I kind of call that one my shadow deck. So when I want to do like more deep dive, I'll do, I'll use that one. Um, but the one I've used predominantly is my Muse deck. And the funny thing I noticed too, was that it's the same exact artist who makes the light seers deck. Hmm. which I thought was really interesting yeah. that I happened to be drawn to because they're very different styles. These two decks are. And it was just, thought it was really interesting that it was the same artist that I was drawn to a second time, but I never would have known until I, I ordered it. But um, yeah, so I've learned with tarot that it's just like, it's an evolution for me. I like having different decks, but I only really use one. And so the one I use is called the muse. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I do think the art on a lot of decks, I haven't seen a ton of decks, but. I've seen some decks, and the artistry is pretty amazing on some. Yeah, this one, I, I, I like to call it kind of like my Alice in Wonderland deck because it just feels very um, like looking through the looking glass kind of a, an energy. Yeah. And I'll show you the cards as I go, and, and I'll explain what I'm seeing, but that way you can kind of see what, what's coming up for you. Yeah. So... I did my typical higher self spreads. This is going to be what you need to know about your podcast. Um, So it's going to be more pertaining to you directly, but it's going to be tied in with the podcast, if that makes sense. Um, So we have a theme card, which I'll go over in a second. Then we'll have past, present, future energies, and then higher self messages. Um, And then I will say too, that as far as like the the future energies, that's just where you're energetically heading as of right now. I don't believe the future is set in stone. I think it's ever changing. I don't think anything is like black and white. So it's more like this is where you're heading as of right now, but that's always changeable depending on what you do in the now and the choices you make, things like that. So starting with your theme card, we have the three of wands. Um, And let me, before I begin to feel free to comment as I go, if there's something you want to comment on as I share things, you're more than welcome to, or if you'd rather just listen to the whole thing and then share afterwards, that's totally fine. Just whatever. I don't want you to feel like you can't speak or say something throughout the reading if you want to. Okay. Definitely. 
Um, so the three of wands is your theme. So with your podcast, you're kind of in a transitional period is what this is showing me. You're, you have your foot in the door, which is kind of where you started in, in the, like where you started from. Um, and you're wanting to evolve and move to another, like a new endeavor. You're not quite there yet. You're literally in between your foot still back here. The other foot's kind of moving forward and you know, you're moving in this direction, but you're, um, you're not quite one or the other. You're kind of in limbo, but you're, you are in transition. So this tells me that you are, and, and there's no resistance here. I'm not feeling resistance. You know that you're moving on to something new in your podcast. There's some kind of an element that you don't know very well. That's a little scary and daunting because it's, you know, where, where you're coming from, you know, that pretty well, you, you could do that really well. And so this new endeavor that you're like leaning into, it's, it's something that you're going to have to learn and be a little bit of a novice at but you're open to it and you're, you're in this transitional period to get you there. Um, which is pretty cool. So that's our starting point is higher self is acknowledging that you are in transition and that you're right where you're supposed to be. Whenever this card comes up, you're right where you're supposed to be. Just don't fight it. Lean into it as you move forward. Um, looking at your recent past, we have the awakening card or this is in normal Dex is also called the judgment card. The names on these cards are a little different. They mean the same as like a traditional deck, but they just change the names. So this would be the judgment card in a normal deck. And this one is called the awakening okay. and it came up reversed. And this is in your recent past. So when it comes to your podcast, this is cool. Um, in your recent past, you really started to learn how to give yourself grace, how to give yourself, how to be gentle on yourself and not because usually the, the judgment card speaks to being really self-critical, like we're own, our own worst critics, and we are like really hard on ourselves. And so in your recent past, you're, you start actually shifting that a little bit. So instead of being hard on yourself, and maybe things didn't turn out the way you wanted to, or maybe you said something you wish you didn't say in a certain way, I mean, whatever it is, or um, could even be like what you're saying with being afraid of um, what, what people who know you would think about you doing a podcast, but in your recent past, you start shifting your belief system around attacking and belittling yourself when you're having a hard time in your podcast to actually like giving yourself grace, being gentle on yourself. Like, Hey, you know what? I'm doing my best right now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat myself up today, you know? And, and really just, I, I just feel like just giving yourself grace and being gentle and not, not trying to be perfect. Mm. That's kind of what came from that too, is you used to try, you, you wanted to show up as perfect. And in your recent past, you really were like, no, perfection isn't it. It's not, it's not what's cracked up to be. And, and I'd rather be authentic than perfect. So that's kind of the energy that you're, you're coming from in your recent past. Um, and this is interesting. So your present is, is always tied to the, the theme, which is the, um, three of wands it's the death card reversed okay so as i kind of already spoke a little bit to the death card speaks to change it speaks to ending chapters and opening new ones and um it's it's like it's kind of like a death in a way because once this thing changes it's never going to be the same again right and there's resistance so i find that interesting so the three of wands you're you're not fighting the transition and you're in that limbo, but you're kind of leaning into the move, the, the movement taking you forward, but it looks like there is some resistance. <laughs> so with the death card here, it's, it's almost like you're, you're letting yourself move forward. You're not holding yourself back yet, but I feel like there needs to be a decision to finally close that door. Like you're ready to close the door. I feel like is what higher self is saying is you're, you are still in that transitional period 
but you have to say yes to the new thing, like fully, like now it's time to close this other door and move into the new door. And there's resistance around that. And again, I kind of think it comes back to you, you already know this other thing that you'd be closing the door on. And if you close the door on that, then it means you have to fully commit and, and learn all this new stuff. That's, that's a little daunting. Um, but yeah, the ultimately you're, you're being invited to, yes, you're in transition, but you're at the point now where you're ready to fully accept the new placement and you're, you're resisting it. And that's, that's kind of like in your, um, that's ultimately your choice, but it's time is kind of what I'm hearing around that. Okay. Um, moving into the near future. So, And I, I can't, so I, I'm really curious to hear about what all, what all these things are, but I'll, I'll let you share, you know, when, when you're ready to. Um, so whatever this big change is that you're kind of fighting, but sort of not fighting at the same time, like you're open to it, but you know, you need to make that final decision. It's going to be bringing you more opportunities. So we have the seven of cups and this one's saying that it's weird because it's like, yes, you're expanding, but you're not expanding to just one thing. I feel like you're expanding to multiple different options. And so what higher self is saying is once you make that decision to fully like jump ship on the other thing and move to this new thing, um, I don't know if it's like a topic or maybe it's another element you're adding to your podcast, but the seven of cups is all about like not making any kind of commitment yet. And just kind of figuring out what is it that you want to do, like taste test. Oh, let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Or I kind of didn't like that. Let me try this over here. Let me try this. Let me try that. And it's, it could kind of look from the outside person. They might look at you and be like, just pick something. Why are you being so wishy-washy? But you're not. You're literally like figuring out which one is the right one for you by looking at all the options. And so I feel like part of this change that you're kind of fighting is also looking at where you want to take it and what option and which avenue you want to use. Um, so the thing about the seven of cups is it starts off with, you have all these options, but ultimately eventually you'll get to the point where it's reversed. And that's when it's saying you've chosen, you know, which is the right way to go now because you've had all these options to look at. Now, you know what the commitment's going to be. Um, but you have to be open to all those possibilities first. And then the higher self message to that is the four of swords reversed so that is really interesting the four of swords is all about taking a break like a mental break mm. um kind of shutting off your mind and just like you know um i'm wondering if because there's resistance around oh no Okay, so no, I feel like this is more so you did take the break. You already kind of mentally kind of took time to kind of figure out what you wanted. And I think that that higher self is saying that part of this change that you're being shifted into is actually coming out of that. Like you took time to figure out what you were doing. And now higher self is saying that, okay, you took the time. Now it's time to come out of that. So you can be open to all the different options that are available. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that meant you, you kind of slowed down with your podcast or maybe you just, I don't know, but there's some kind of a, some kind of a mental break around it that you, that you were able to kind of pull back on some level. Um, so your two cards in the middle, I love this. So the first one is the page of wands reversed. 
these two are definitely speaking to each other. And and it definitely also speaks to that death card too on some level. But um, the page of wands, when it's upright, it means that you're in alignment. It means that you're living your life in, and not just living your life, but you're, li- you're living your podcast. You're not, how do I say this? Not living your podcast, but you're running your podcast in a way that's super un- in alignment with yourself. So it aligns with your values. It aligns with your beliefs. It lights you up. It's something that you do all day long. It's just, it feels right. And right now there's a sense of things being out of alignment. So you're maybe choosing guests that don't align very well, or you're um, choosing topics that don't align, but there's something like you're not in alignment. And I think that's where this option is coming in. It's saying that you need to taste test and dabble so you can figure out what being in alignment with your podcast actually feels like. And then the final one is the four of pentacles reversed. So I feel like this one is really speaking to that change and that transitional period that you're in right now. Um, one of the things I think that's scaring you about fully saying no to this other thing, like letting go of this other thing and saying yes to this new thing is fear of, well, what if this new thing doesn't pan out the way that I'm hoping it will? And if I let go of this, then I'm letting go of my security. I'm letting go of, um, knowing that it's going to be okay. Like I, if I stick here, I know I'll be okay. If I do this new thing, what if it all falls apart? Um, so there, it's like a possessive, I need to hold on to it or else I might not be okay. So the four of pentacles reversed. So the, the four of pentacles upright is what I was just sharing. It's that feeling of possessive. Ah, I can't let this thing go or I'll be without when it's up, when it's uh, reversed, it's the exact opposite. It's actually putting trust in the universe and saying, okay, I'm going to trust that what goes is meant to go to make space for something new. And if it comes, it's that way you're open, you're like your open arms. You have um, like a energetic transaction with the universe. If it comes in, it's for you. If it goes away, it's not for you. And sometimes things only come in for a season and then they go away again, but then that makes space for something better to come your way. But if you're holding on to one thing, putting all your eggs in one basket and you're not letting that thing go, you're also not making space for anything else to come in. And so I feel like part of the reason why you're so scared is because it's like, well, what if this thing goes away? And higher self is like, don't worry about that. Trust that what goes is meant to go because you have more things coming your way. So ultimately, I mean, I feel like your podcast is trying, it it wants to evolve and you want to evolve it, but I think it's, you're trying to do it in a more controlled way. And it's actually meant to be more of an organic evolution. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I can elaborate on some of it. So I guess uh, the three of wands saying that I'm aware of uh, the transition that I want to make. Um, I, I've been talking to people about this for a little bit. Like, I'm not, I've been in corporate life for 10 years, for the last 10 years. And it, it uh, I know I'm not fully comfortable interviewing like I'm I'm fairly comfortable but like I'm not just openly myself quite yet and but I know I'm going to get there like I know in time I'll get there like I think that's just comes with doing this um right so I, I would say that seems to make sense there the death of like needing to let go of something I'm not 100% sure it could be I guess uh, letting go of the idea of working for other people. Um, mm. 
because I go back and forth with that. Do I want to get a job and and have that security while I'm pursuing this, or do I want to just pursue this as my career? Um, and this isn't the only thing I'm pursuing. I, I have like a little clothing company I'm, I'm, I'm launching, or I launched. I, uh, I make music, and I actually have another podcast um, that's focused on AI. Um, and I'm, I've been grappling with the question of how do I actually want that to be? Because they're like four separate entities right now. Mm-hmm. And I've been wondering, do they need to just, does it just need to be me? Am I the brand? And then I'm just a person who runs a podcast, makes music, um, runs two podcasts, makes music and makes clothing or makes designs for clothing. So there are those questions that I've been kind of grappling with and, and trying to figure out the answer to. Does that seem like it kind of aligns with what the cards are saying? Yeah. I mean, especially with, you know, kind of, that's so funny with the the taste testing and having lots of different options. It's it that kind of almost speaks to like what you're you're kind of going through now. Like, what am I doing with all these different things? And yeah. um, I would say the death card. If when you're saying you're not sure what that's speaking to, it's definitely tied into that transitional card. So on some level, maybe it's like, are you? So are you currently working in corporate still, or? No, no, I'm not. Okay, no, that's, that's kind of where you're coming in, from. Not since May. Um, okay. And yeah, I've just been kind of grappling with that question. Do I want to... Yeah, because when you're starting any business, you're not making much money. You're not... No. Most no. of it is just investing money. At this stage, I'm just investing money. Um, and I have money to live off of. I'm, I'm not like hurting at the moment. But... Over time, you know, if you're just investing and you're not making anything, things can get a little bit more sticky. But okay, yeah, I can definitely see. Then, yeah, it would be like your that transitional period is is making that decision. So you know that you're you know that you're in transition from what you left behind to this new endeavor. We have a lot going on. Yeah, so I would say that that death card is is ultimately you fully leaning into the change of this is what my decision is going to be and. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and then definitely that I feel like a higher self with the with the all the different options going on. You're supposed to be experiencing all these things. And don't yeah. be surprised if you have a new endeavor that comes in, too. But I think eventually one of those things are going to be more precedent and the other ones will still be there. But the main one will be more of your focus when you know which one is going to be. That's the one it's going to be. Um, so I think that even though this, you know, in regards to your podcast, I think it's letting you know, like, it's not, it's still one of those options. Like, don't feel like you have to over put your energy, this direction, look at everything you have going on. No. But, um, yeah, I, I do feel like it, it has the, the evolution point to it because I mean, with the alignment card, it's, it's like, you're learning how to figure out about your podcast, what aligns with it and what doesn't. And I no. think that that's part of the evolution too. Yeah, I, and my podcast is all about openness. Um, There's certain guests I, I would not have on, but like my position is I'm willing to have a conversation with just about anybody um, within reason. Like I, there are very few topics that I'm not interested in. Very few people I don't think I can gain something from talking to. And 
I'm just a curious person. So I, I always want to learn. I, I want to learn. I, and I want to have conversations with people. Like I don't have to agree with somebody to talk with them. And I think that's something I want to spread at least somewhat. Like, listen, I'll have people on that completely, that have com- opinions that are completely contrary to mine. And I can listen to those and we can have a good conversation. And it doesn't mean I have to adopt their views. It doesn't mean I have right. to go with what they're saying. It doesn't mean people that are listening have to go with what guests are saying. But it doesn't mean you have to like turn something off and not listen to that person. Like, um, right. especially like more contentious issues and stuff like that. It's like, I think you're better off listening to people that you disagree with more than you listen to people that you agree with because if you think your ideas are worthwhile, then you should be able to put those ideas against the strongest ideas that are contrary to what you believe and they should stand up. That's a good point. And I think that that's also a beautiful thing in general to be doing because unfortunately our society doesn't seem to know how to do that, (laughs) how to have a conversation with different views on the table and still have a good conversation come out of it. Yeah. So I think that we need more of that in the world. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. (laughs) The card that was saying that I turned a corner or so one card that the card that mentioned the break, I launched this podcast in 2020. It went 10 episodes and then I, I let work and just personal hangups get in the way. And I took a break. Okay. I was interacting with friends on social media, having conversations I wanted to have, but the medium was not the right medium. It's not the right medium to have a conversation where you're you're talking on Facebook or whatever it might be. And uh, I didn't like how that ended up. So I took a long break and relaunched this this year after having some a series of events happen. Um, my dog died and then I had, uh, and I haven't talked about that on the podcast yet, but yeah, my dog died in, at the end of April, I was working for a company and on my way home. And this was right before I stopped working for the company. And, um, I had, I had an Uber driver on the way to the airport in New Jersey and another Uber driver on the way to my house from the airport here in Salt Lake and both conversations. And this was two weeks after my dog had died. And both conversations were like, you know, when you're, when you experience like a death like that, you have this like grayness in life where it's like, eh, nothing's too exciting. My mind is pretty focused on what I lost. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't an expected loss or anything. It wasn't old age in my dog. It was just, one day he was lethargic and then within 24 hours he was gone. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had a Lyft driver or an Uber driver and uh, it was a guy from Ukraine and he he was born in the Soviet Union one year before it fell in U- Ukraine. And I was just in- captivated by the conversation. And then when I landed and had another Uber driver, it was a guy that he was from Rwanda and he was five years old when the, the genocide in Rwanda happened. And wow. like amazing experience. Like, I mean, those are, it, it's not something that's like a positive experience, but it's like talking to people who have had like insane experiences, things that 
you don't necessarily want to experience yourself, but like, I mean, the perspective gain, like the things that he told me, like the fact that, uh, people that were, I, I forget which group committed the genocide and which one had the genocide committed to them, uh, done to them. But he was telling me how those people on both sides are like living together now and, and like, you know, they, wow. their neighbors are people who, you know, 20 years ago, there was like a major event where they were, you know, at each other, at each other's throats and one side was killing the other. And just an amazing thing to hear. It's amazing to hear other people's stories. And, and that's those two experiences were like, yeah, now this is what I want to do. I want to podcast. I want to talk to people. I want to have these conversations in a way that other people can benefit from them. So. Yeah. That's amazing. It sounds like it was, it, you were supposed to have those conversations. They were, it was like the catalyst for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say I don't see that. Maybe there's certain topics that I I'll be more drawn to in the future, but for the most part, my podcast is open and I see the, I see this podcast as being my main pursuit, as at least as far as I can tell. So. Yeah. And I definitely feel like that. Like, it, it feels like evolution to me. That's, that's kind of what I keep hearing is you just have to make it the decision. Um, if you want, I can pull more cards around what's not in alignment for you. So you can kind of get more of an idea of, like, what that's speaking to. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it's, you know... And I'll, I'll get that too, where I'm like, okay, I need more clarity on this card. I, I need to understand what it's speaking to. Because it can, you know, especially something like that, you want to know, like, okay, what what's, do I need to focus on being more in alignment? Yeah. So I can make this podcast evolve a little more smoothly, right? Yeah. Okay, I love this. So well, the first card that came up is the full reversed. This is very similar to that death card. Okay. Um, so it's one of the first things that you that that's holding you back from being fully in alignment with it is that you're still not saying yes to it fully. Okay. Um, the full card is about taking a leap of faith, and it's it's more than a leap of faith. It's you know once you take that leap of faith, it's going to take you on a whole new path, a whole new journey. Um, the death card speaks more to the change itself. The fool is like, no, but this is a journey. You say yes to this, your life's going to change, but it's, it's going to take you on. It's going to take you on a journey, you know, with that change. And so there's resistance around that jump. There's, you know, and, and usually the part of the, of the jump is, is feeling like you want to have security on the other side. And something to think about is, it doesn't matter. Like, even if you think you have security, we never have security. There's never, there's nothing that's guaranteed, Yeah. you know? Um, so whenever the fool comes up, it's always a yes card. Even if you're resistant to it, it's always saying what's holding you back from saying yes to this. Cause there's mm. something here for you. Um, and then I also hold the eight of emotions, the sense or eight of cups. Um, so emotionally, I feel like, part of, of what's going to help you get more into alignment is you're working on leaving behind things that have been holding you back with really stepping into this role. Um, 
and it could even be speaking to that transitional period as well, but this is more like on an emotional level, something that you have to leave behind to lean more into this. So I don't know if there's something emotionally that, um, you just, you just know that it's, it's going to impact the podcast. If you, if you keep letting it around, um, that you just know it's time to just say thank you and move on to the next big thing. I mean, it could be as simple as limiting beliefs or it could be an actual Mm -hmm. tangible thing. Um, but there's definitely, you're moving forward. There's definitely a lot of, like I said, when I say evolution, there's a lot of moving forward. You're holding back, but there's a lot of, everything here is like, but keep going. Cause there's, it's taking you somewhere. Yeah. Like there's a lot of transitional cards. Um, and the final one, which I think is, is really cool is the 10 of cups reversed. Mm. So one of the other things that's going to help you get more in alignment is being more present. Um, and I think this is when you're you're able to really around your podcast, and I would say not just with your guests, but as you're in doing the editing, like all the pieces around it, and even in your personal life too. Being present is really important because you can savor the moments, you can savor each conversation, you can savor even the editing process, like what you're taking from it as you're listening to it again. Yeah. Um, but the Ten of Cups, whenever it comes up, it's always like. A lot of times it speaks to being worried about the past, being worried about the future and higher self is like, no, don't worry about those things. They don't exist right now. The past is gone. Can't change it or do anything more about it. Future never, ever shows up the way you think it's going to. So why worry about how it's going to show up? Present is literally all we have. It's where life happens. It's where joy happens. It's where experiences happen. Um, And so there's resistance around this idea of being really present. And it could be, you know, being able to be really immersed enough to where you're openly and i mean I, I feel like you're very present but it could also be that you're not because maybe coming back to that perfectionism you're learning how to just be yourself in conversation and that could be taking up your mindset around you know what's going on versus just being in the conversation if that makes mm. sense yeah um so those are the cards that came up to kind of help explain where you're not quite in alignment yeah i feel like that uh, I'm aware of some of it. I always struggled with negative self-talk. That's a big one for me. Um, feeling like I'm, you know, like uh, like I'm just not making progress, not getting what I need, not making, you know, I, I'll overthink things. Like that's me in a nutshell. I just overthink everything. So I'm I'm constantly like... My girlfriend has to hear it the most, but I'll, you know, doubt myself constantly. Like, is this worthwhile? Am I doing the right thing? Am I just, you know, yeah, just a lot of self-doubt. So it's so it's kind of funny you say that because I um, this is more of like a spiritual thing. But like I recently for the first time connected with one of my spirit guides, which is just way out there for me. Um, that's just, I'm, I'm still not sure how I feel about that. Cause I, I've heard about people talking about it and I was always like, yeah, okay, sure. Now I'm like, Oh, that's what it's like. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But one of the things that I, I, I also struggle with self-doubt and getting caught up in, um, either getting really excited about something or really, and then, or if something's like not, you know, one little thing goes wrong that I'm like the exact opposite and I'm like a worry wart and I'm like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I'm like, how do I, ex- how do I deal with these extremes from, 
I'm really excited. Things are going well to, oh my gosh, I'm overthinking. And now I don't think I'm worthy of anything. You know, it's, it's like a backlash going from one to the other. And so I, I turned to one of my spirit guides and I was like, how do I manage this? And this is ultimately what the message was that I got was mm. be present, be as present and mindful as you can in every single moment. Because when you're present, you're grounded, you're not in your head. You're, yeah. you're literally in the now. And so the more you can be present and mindful, you're not going to be worried about your worthiness because that wouldn't even be a thought because you're, when you're in the now, you're, you're listening to what's around you. You're seeing, you're feeling, you're in your senses. You're not in your head. And so that's kind of the answer I got was be more present and you'll get less of that backlash and that, you know, back and forth because you're, you're yeah. balancing of being in the now, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Um, yeah. I feel like it was a good reading. Thank you. I'm, I hope that as a skeptic, it was, you, you took something from it. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I still don't know exactly like I believe in a higher self. I believe that I, I believe in some symbolism, things like that. And yeah, it it seemed worthwhile. It seemed to be uh, pretty on point with at least a few things. So okay. yeah, definitely enjoy Great. it. I do think that doing a reading for AI could be an interesting thing. I don't know if it would work into this episode that we're doing right now. It just kind of doesn't. I'd have to think about it, how that would fit in. And I have that other podcast that is specifically AI. In that one, what I do is I ask AI questions. I'll ask four chatbots the same question. I almost wonder if if you and I can do an episode on that with a reading. Yeah. It'd be completely different than what I do in every episode for that. But I think it would be interesting. Um, I would and, be curious to see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah. and I, I. I doubt anyone else has done that yet. So, or maybe somebody yeah. has. I'm I'm actually sure that somebody has done it without recording it, without releasing it anywhere. Just done a reading right. for AI or or had something to do with tarot and AI. But yeah, it would be very interesting to do something like that. Uh, I don't I know. Would be open. <laughs> I don't know what AI would get out of it because it's not like AI is. Um, well, the way I see AI is. Well, they're just large language models, so they're just predictive language models. So it's like mm -hmm. it'll give you a sequence of words that it thinks is most fitting. It's not like it's actually intelligent. Right. There's no consciousness. Yeah, there's no consciousness. Although there's, I guess, some debate around that, but I don't think I don't think AI is conscious at all at this point, at least. So, yeah. <laughs> I would definitely be open to it. It sounds like an interesting experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could just be, it could be nothing. It could be, in the end, it could be something that's like, oh, that seemed like a cool idea, but it just didn't work out. But it, it could be something yeah. very interesting. Um, so based on the reading, what do you have anything else that you, insights that you, you'd want to share? I think ultimately, like I was saying, it, it feels it feels like it's evolving. It's yeah. more about you saying yes to it and leaning into it and removing what doesn't belong. That's you know, like the things that are in, that are not in alignment. 
removing those as much as you can so you can just be more authentically plugged into it. But yeah. it did feel like I what I got from that was there was a lot of potential for evolution. It was just the only one that was basically the only thing holding you back was you getting in your own way by not yeah. saying yes completely. Yeah. And you mentioned perfectionism and I'm I'm definitely a perfectionist and I've been letting that go over the last like since the start of this I've been letting it go cuz the editing process takes a long time if you're too much of a perfectionist and you know like you edit out ums or like I'll when I listen to myself first of all I hate listening to myself so that's one of the part, hard things about the editing process but you notice yourself say things like repeatedly so you'll say if I say um a lot or anything like that it's like oh, man I, I wish I didn't say that so my tendency would be to edit all of that out, but over over the last few months, I've I've been like, eh, whatever. People say um, people say um when they're yeah. thinking, and and like, I want to be genuine. I mean, look at our presidents. How many times do they say ums and ahs? And yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, uh, so we have I mean, some Barack Obama was a great speaker, but he had yeah. ums all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> And we have politicians just freeze up completely. <laughs> yeah. So I think the perfectionism is is a way to try and, and show up in an image you feel like is acceptable, but we're all human. And I think yeah. that when you're able to let your human show, it makes you more relatable. Yeah. And I've like, I, I think about that when I look at it, it's like, sure, I can try to make every episode perfect and make myself sound like I'm speaking very intelligently when I'm not like something that I had a lot of pauses like I will take out bits of silence just to keep things going for the listener's sake but I don't want to give a false impression to people I don't want people to like I doubt I'll ever wear like makeup or anything on camera um anything like that because like People are flawed. People deserve to see those flaws and not think like everyone they're seeing on a video or something is this person without, you know, scars on their face or or blemishes and somebody who yeah. doesn't, you know, speak well. Or, you know, like people, people mess up when they they say things. Like I had one episode, one of my first episodes... I can't remember exactly what it was, but I said something, and when I listened back, I was like, yeah, I said the wrong thing. Like, I used the wrong word at this point completely, mm. um, and I made the decision to just leave it. I was like, you know, I think people understand what's being said there, and it's fine. Like, Because, I mean, I do all my own editing, so I really have the option to, if I wanted to, I can... I can dub it out, like I can dub over it with the correct word, but I chose to leave yeah. that in there, and I've been getting better with that, just like letting those imperfections just remain and just speak for themselves, you know? And that's a hard thing to, that's hard, that's hard to do when you're, when you, you when you come from a space of, it has to be perfect, and I have to, you know, that's, that's where a lot of that, that's negative self-talk and the, like I was saying that being really critical on yourself is you're not showing up the way you're supposed to. And life isn't about that. 
And so I, I feel like that. So, and that's why one reason I love that that card is also called the awakening card because it's awakening to new ideas that go yeah. against what you were previously conditioned to believe. And now you're learning how to do it differently in a way that feels good and is gentle and, and graceful on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want, I want people to get something out of my podcast. I want people to see, you know, that they can improve, that they can do things. And like, if I feel like being more vulnerable, allowing people to see a little bit more into my own mental state, like, even if I have a really good episode, it's like, yeah, the stuff that goes on in my mind, the self-doubt that leads up to that. And, you know, the things I have to work through to, to, my process or are things that I want you know that it, it's not easy to share those things like it's it's really hard to be like yeah I struggle with this and you know I'm not good at this and I I've, I'm struggling here like it's hard to divulge that information sometimes but I in the long run I think it's what I want people to see like that yeah just a person trying have you have you heard of Brene Brown? I have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of what she teaches is connection is vulnerability and yeah. not perfectionism. Perfectionism is is the opposite of of connection and so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. You want to connect more with your listeners. Yeah, and and I agree with that. Like if you're if you're trying to be perfect with everything, you're you're creating a disconnect with people because you're you're trying to give them the impression that things are different than they actually are so mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're being more vulnerable and showing those imperfections a little bit more i think people ultimately connect to that but it creates a little bit of anxiety too so yeah yeah well i have thoroughly enjoyed this um before we wrap up can you give listeners a way to reach you if they want to get a reading from you and then give you a chance to share anything else that you'd like to share today? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at uh, com, And I'm also on social media. Um, on, I'm on Instagram at the same um, name at journey through tarot. And um, I offer email readings, which is like, if you don't want to actually talk to me and you just want to ask a question, that's probably the best one to go with. You just, um, when you order that one, you ask a question, I'll send you a, um, recorded, a personalized recorded reading just for you with the picture of the cards drawn. And so you never even have to interact with me. Or if you want to work with me directly, I also offer private sessions ranging from 15 minutes up to an hour. And, um, if you want to do a private session, if you use the code word journey at checkout, uh, journey, all caps, you can get a 20% discount just to give it a try and see what you think. If you're interested in working with me, um, and yeah, so and then also if you are local, I'm in Southern California. I also do events. So if you're wanting some magical entertainment, you can also find information for that on my website as well. But um, that's that's how you can find me if you want to work with me. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, same here. This was a really fun conversation. We took a lot of different routes and, and topics. It was really fun to, to work through and talk about. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have much planned. So it was just kind of, I knew we would do the re- reading, but I didn't know exactly where the conversation would go. And it's been fun. 
Yeah, yeah. has been. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thoughtfully Mindless. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want to leave a five-star review, that's greatly appreciated if you feel like I've earned it. And if you want to share this episode with anyone you feel might enjoy it, that always helps out a lot too. I always love hearing your feedback and what you're feeling about the podcast. So find me on social media at Twitter at TM Convos and TikTok and Instagram at Thoughtfully Mindless. Thank you for listening. Until next time. 